Oregon right now is a 13.5-point favorite against Washington. I think they're capable of covering that spread. How? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thanks so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. If you haven't already, and I know a lot of you already have, please like, comment, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Underdog. Sign up on the underdogfantasy.com or on the Underdog Fantasy app with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. It is the day before, Duck fans, the day before the game that every year we circle on our calendars, we think about all week, we go through the history, which recently has been very, very good to the Ducks, thankfully. And then the game arrives, and it's finally here, and you got to watch it play out. And I think, or I, I feel good about Oregon going into this game. It's hard to not feel good about Oregon going into any game. And with regards to my, my season-long thoughts on the Utah game that is coming next week, How Oregon performs in this game will greatly determine how I will feel going into that Utah game. Because at home this year, they have been so, so good. So, so good. Like, they've had good showings on the road, but there was also the Washington State game. And the Cal game wasn't perfect. And Colorado was good, but it's Colorado. And the Arizona game was mostly good, but it's Arizona. But at Austin Stadium, they've been really, really good. And that's the mark of, of a good football team. When you are able to win at home, Ducks won 23 straight at Austin. I do think they will make it 24 tomorrow against the Huskies. How does that need to play out? We'll start with the offensive side of the ball. And this is, I think we all agree, the side we have the fewest questions about. Now, it's not as if Washington is not going to present some sort of challenge potentially here, because this is not the least talented roster Oregon has gone up against. Washington was way down a year ago. But if you look at the recruiting rankings and you look at just the bodies that they have on the defensive side of the ball, particularly, mostly on the front four, they've got some really good players there. Guys who can be disruptive, guys who can make impact plays, get after the quarterback, stop the run. It's everything behind that that is more of a question mark from what I've seen from Washington this year. And I think offensively, I expect this to be one of the more balanced games. And I haven't felt that every game or or before every game this season, you know, going into the Cal game, I thought they'd throw it more. I thought Colorado would be run heavy, Stanford, Arizona, when teams can't stop Oregon's rushing attack, I expect them to run it 60, 40. And that's kind of what they've done this year. And I think that's worked out very well, but I think this will be a very balanced attack because Washington presents a sort of offense that I think requires that not defense offense, right? The offense is going to put up points and I don't think you can be one dimensional, against them. I don't think they're ready to be in the top tier uh, of teams in the Pac-12 yet, but they are still a solid team and they are firmly in that middle tier. I I think them and Oregon State are on similar footing. That played out last week in Seattle. Beavs had a backup quarterback. Huskies did not. That was basically the difference in the game. So when you look at Oregon's offense going into this one with the Huskies, I think you'll see plenty of ground game. You will see a bunch of different running backs, keeping them fresh, the only thing that that could stop this Oregon offense from Washington's perspective is if the front four starts to enforce their will. And that's why I feel confident about the Ducks offensively. 
because there is no team. If Georgia, I will repeat this until the end of time. Well, until the end of the season, I guess. If Georgia wasn't able to hold Oregon under four and a half yards of carry and they weren't able to sack Bo Nix, I don't know who in the Pac-12 can. And by the way, just as a brief little look ahead thing, that Utah front seven is not the Utah front seven that we saw a year ago. They lost a couple players. They're not quite as physical, still good, but it's different. So I feel good game in and game out about this Oregon offensive line. And I can't honestly sit here and say, no, I think this is the game they struggle. I don't know. There, there have been no indicators. They are statistically a historically or an historically. I'm not actually clear on that. Great offensive line. They have been out of this world. And part of it, most of it, is due to the big guys up front. But Bo Nix deserves some credit. And Kenny Dillingham deserves some credit, too. Your quarterback, if he drops back and is you know, trying to take a deep shot 30 times a game, he's going to be sacked more than if you have a quick-hitting offense, uh, an offense that allows Bo Nix multiple options on the play, and you're not requiring the offensive line to pass protect forever. Because even if you're really, really good in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball, you can't protect every single snap forever. So I think that one sack is, is a credit to what we've seen from all three of those individuals or, or groups, the O-line, Bo Nix, and, and Kenny Dillingham. But if that's the case, I think what you would then have is Washington's defense having their strength neutralized, and I don't think they have a lot of answers behind that. And, and that's why I, again, expect Oregon to be over 40 points here because the Huskies' back end has just not been there. They lost two really good corners from a season ago, and their defense is not what it was in 2021, which was still really, really good. Their offense was putrid, but they've kind of flipped. Their defense is not as bad all the time. It's kind of, you know, a little bit like Oregon's. Has good weeks, has bad weeks. It's it's okay. It's got some flaws and such. The back end of their defense has not been good. I haven't been wowed by their linebackers either. And I, I just think Oregon's going to be able to come out and and have a balanced attack. And I think that's fundamentally what Kenny Dillingham wants to do. And assuming the offensive line holds up, right? If, you know, this goes out the window, if they, you know, have like cluster injuries or rotate or anything like that, or they just have a bad game, but I don't expect that to be the case because it hasn't been or in anything anywhere close to it all season long. The Husky defense on the road this year has allowed a lot of points. And Washington's played four games on the road. They are or three, I think they played three games on, on the road this year. So this is just their fourth. In those three games on the road, they allowed just 21 points at Cal, but that's Cal. Not a great offense, as we know. Good weapons, but that offensive line was bad. And that was the best road showing the Huskies' defense has had this year. And the key part of it was their defensive line was dominating the Bears up front. Even if they have mild success, they won't come close to having that that level of, of success consistently against this Oregon offensive line. But they allowed 45 points at Arizona State, and they allowed 40 at UCLA. I think Oregon's got a better offense than both those teams, though UCLA is comparable. Arizona State is not a very good team, and Washington lost that game because the defense couldn't get off the field. Now, their offense has traveled this year, but their defense has really just had the one good showing on the road, and that was against Cal. They started with four straight games at, at home this year. That's why they haven't played a ton of road games. Oregon hasn't played a, a ton of road games either because they had that BYU game at home. But I, I think, and, and Washington also allowed 39 points against Arizona at home. 
it's a defense that has some decent qualities, but is missing several pieces, particularly on the back end. And I think Bo Nix's numbers will look pretty similar to how they have all, all season long. That's that's what I expect it to be in the high 70, mid to high 70s or you know, at the very least over 70% completion and running the ball well and a couple touchdowns, keeping the ball out of harm's way. I expect there to be a lot of balance there. The biggest question mark for Oregon in this game and how much they they could actually win by and how much I think they'll win by will come down to their defense, which I'll tell you about after I remind you that this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up college football this season. It's got an easy-to-play format, and it's available in over 30 states. You just go and pick over-unders for any Oregon player that you want. Bonex, Troy Franklin, Bucky Irving, whomever tickles your fancy, you can go get them there on underdog just pick between two and five players across the ducks or any team frankly if you like someone on another squad and decide if they will finish higher or lower sign up with the promo code locked on one word and underdog will double your first deposit up to a hundred dollars deposit a hundred bucks get a hundred dollars free go to underdogfantasy.com or find the underdog fantasy app in the app store or google play store that's underdog fantasy promo code locked on one word l-o-c-k-e-d-o-n to get in on the college football pick em action today Let's talk about that Oregon defense. And I think there are a number of things to watch in this game against a potent Huskies attack that has slowed down in the last couple of weeks. They had 28 points at Cal. They had just 24 at home last week against Oregon State, but the winds were really, really swirling. But that does speak to what this Washington offense is. They're kind of the opposite of those old school, really good Stanford teams. They have one way that they're going to score and move the ball. It's a really difficult way to stop. But if you force them out of it, and you force them to quote-unquote play left-handed, which is ironic because Penix is a lefty, then you can really limit what they're going to do offensively. This is not a team that can line up and run the ball for 200 to 250 yards a game. It's not part of DeBoer's philosophy. Their offensive line is good in pass protection. They're just okay running the football. Their backs are are solid, but nothing spectacular. Their best players on offense are on the perimeter with their wide receivers. Polk, McMillan, and, and Adunze are really good dudes. And Michael Penix throwing the ball from the pocket, from a clean pocket. That's been the, the most important thing, and that is the most important element here for Oregon's defense. More than not having Jamal Hill for the first half, more than winning in coverage on the back end, Coverage, and I will continue to to harp on this because it's very, very true. Coverage is only good if you have a pass rush of some sort. The number one thing the Ducks have to do defensively here is get pressure on the quarterback. Oregon State last week, that has a really good defense. They've got an amazing secondary. It's really, really good. That unit that has been so good all year long for the Bees and was against Washington except for one coverage bust that led to a touchdown on third and goal from the 25-yard line. Not kidding, that happened if you didn't see the game. It was <laughs> it was a break for Washington, that's for sure. If that doesn't happen, Beavs could maybe win the game if that happens to take a field goal. But anyway, I digress. When you look at this Oregon secondary, they have to have the help from the defensive line because the Beavs secondary played as well as you could against Washington's weapons. But when push came to shove, Washington converted on third down and drove 90-plus yards to ice the game with a field goal late because the Beavs could not get any pressure. And Michael Penix, when you give him time, has been a really good quarterback this year. The games where he has struggled, really the only game he struggled this year was UCLA, 
Latu was really good in that game, and so was the rest of the UCLA defensive front. They picked him off early. I think that rattled him a bit. He had that against Oregon State and responded well. But you've got to make the pocket collapse. You don't even have to get sacks. You don't have to worry about him running too much. He can move a little. He's had a number of knee injuries in his career, unfortunately, so he's not maybe as mobile as he once was. But, I mean, if he breaks the pocket, he could run for a few yards. You know, like he's more mobile than a McKee or a Jack Plummer by a little bit. But he's not a Bo Nix. He's not a DTR or a Caleb Williams or a Cam Rising. You know, he he's below those guys. Like, it's not a feature of his game, but he can do it when he absolutely has to. But this is such a critical thing for Oregon this year, not just because of the generalized philosophy of playing defensive. You have to get pressure on the other team's quarterback or life is going to be difficult for you on that side of the ball. But because of how Washington has played and had success this year, that Washington offensive line has been exceptional in pass protection. I've watched a lot of their games this season, and he's had time to throw over and over and over again. And this is a major concern for Oregon. DJ Johnson's availability, we'll see. Kind of seems like it's going to be a game-time call. I really hope he plays because he is Oregon's best pure pass rusher. Brandon Dorless is the best defensive lineman Oregon has, but DJ Johnson is the best pure pass rusher at getting pressure in the quarterback's face, driving his guy back, getting the quarterback off his spots, making him speed up his internal clock. He is the best guy the Ducks have. And if he doesn't play, I am more concerned about that than I am Jamal Hill not being there. Because the secondary can play as well as they want. If you give Penix six seconds to throw, someone's going to come open. Happens every single time. We've seen it with Oregon's offense this year. Hard to defend when they've got an array of weapons. So does Washington. But when the quarterback is just sitting back there with all day to throw, you, you, you just are putting yourself in a really bad situation. Especially with this Washington team that knows how to throw the football. And has got good receivers and a quarterback capable of doing that. But because he's been so used to sitting in a clean pocket this year, I think it will disrupt him more than it would a normal quarterback. Like Jack Plummer under pressure made a couple of throws against the Ducks because he's been dealing with that all season. But when you haven't been seeing guys in your face or felt the pocket collapsing on you very often, and then all of a sudden it happens regularly, it can really throw you off your rhythm. That's the biggest thing Oregon has to do in this game. The Beavs couldn't get off the field on third down because they couldn't pressure Michael Penix. Sound familiar? This is an opportunity for the Ducks defense to take a big step forward. I think they've taken a step forward in the last two weeks, playing the way they should, for the most part, against Cal and Colorado. But now you play one of the best offenses in the Pac-12. And if you come out and you hold them under 30 points, I think you're going to have a really good chance to go out and win the football game. Uh, Second thing to watch for defensively is Bennett Williams because Jamal Hill's out for the first half. I think you'll see just a lot more of Bennett Williams. I think those two, you know, I don't have the exact snap numbers or or anything, but I imagine based on how often they've been on the field and making plays that they've kind of rotated in and out for one another at times. And so I, I feel like Bennett Williams is just going to play a lot more snaps than he otherwise would have. Because Jamal Hill has been on the field a lot. We haven't heard a lot from him this year, which is a good thing if you're a defensive back. It means you're not getting picked on very much. But I think that when you look at what Oregon is running defensively, which is primarily a 4-2-5, you're going to have two linebackers in there, some combination of Sewell, Flo, and Bossa, depending on the situation. 
and then your five DBs. You'll have Bridges over here. You'll have Gonzo over here. You'll probably have Manning or, or Florence, but probably Manning as another DB out there. But then you've got two other safeties in Brian Addison and Steve Stevens. And then Bennett Williams can kind of be that hybrid guy that Jamal Hill is. Strong safety, box safety, whatever you want to call it. So I think seeing how Bennett Williams plays getting more snaps because he seems like the perfect candidate to see more action on Saturday in that first half is is noteworthy as well, but not as important as the Ducks needing to, to get pressure on, on Michael Penix. The other thing too defensively, and this is you know more, more big picture, can the Ducks avoid a coverage bust? Because I wouldn't call it a bust against Cal, the two long passes. Those wide receivers just made great plays on 50-50 balls. And Plummer made a heck of a throw on on both of them, frankly. Gave his wide receivers a chance. They made a play. Gonzo was in good position on one. Manning got, you know, about a step behind. Then the receiver got away with a, a little push off. But that's, you know, not a call you, you can really expect to get consistently. And these wide receivers for Washington are capable of making those sorts of plays. Now, it hasn't been a feature of their offense where they take those one-on-one shots. Because primarily what DeBoer and their OC Ryan Grubb do really, really well is they scheme guys open. And Michael Penix has had a lot of time to throw, a lot of time to let routes develop down the field. And because of the way the receivers run routes, their athleticism, their timing, their feel within the offense, they've created opportunities to take shots down the field that are not just, let's throw up a 50-50 ball and go see what happens. Doesn't mean those guys can't make those sorts of plays, but the, the biggest element for this Washington offense has been confusing defensive back, confusing defensive backs, confusing coverages, getting guys out of position, and then exploiting those, those open holes. Like, for example, there was a fourth and 10 in that Washington-Oregon State game last week where Washington had a receiver come wide open. It was a long developing play. Offensive line gave him time. Again, back to that pressure thing I was talking about earlier. But they run a route concept down the field that confused the Oregon State secondary, and two guys are covered, but then the third guy is wide open for an easy 15-yard pitch and catch. Those are the sorts of areas that Oregon has got to be able to avoid. Like the Colorado game last week, the only touchdown the Buffs had, and, and without that play, I don't think Colorado manages a touchdown in that game. Can they avoid that against Washington? Can you make them work for it? Because I think this Washington offense, when they're at their best, they are explosive in the passing game and they can hit those downfield shots. But because that's kind of their expectation, I think it's really advantageous if Oregon goes back to a defensive model we saw with uh, with Nick Alioti a little bit and that Justin Wilcox used very well when the Huskies and the Bears played a couple of weeks ago. I'll talk about that after I remind you this episode brought to you by Simply Safe. If you've thought about securing your home with home security but have been putting it off, you want to listen up. Right now, Locked On Ducks listeners can order the number one rated Simply Safe home security system for 50% off. This is their biggest offer of the year, and you don't want to miss it. In an emergency, 24-7 professional monitoring agents use Fast Protect technology exclusively from Simply Safe to capture critical evidence and verify the threat is real, so you can get the priority police response. Don't miss your chance to save big on the only security system I recommend. Get 50% off any new Simply Safe system at simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. This is their biggest discount of the year, so don't wait. That's simplysafe.com/lockedoncollege. There's no safe like Simply Safe. The defense I alluded to is what we call bend but don't break. 
And I think this Washington offense wants to be explosive. They created, you know, some explosive plays against UCLA and against Arizona State that moved them down the field quickly. From what I saw, particularly in that game against Cal, if you make them be a little bit more dink and dunk, they can get a little antsy. And that can either lead them to a mistake or just a lack of execution, or it's just not something they've had to do as often this year. They're used to hitting the big plays down the field. They're used to being explosive and you know getting 30 and 40-yard chunk plays and then just having to punch it in. They do run the ball pretty well in, in the red zone, but in between the 20s, it's not something that that I'd consider a strength for them. And it's just not philosophically what, what they want to do. So Oregon's got to be able to avoid those, those coverage busts. And then much like the UCLA game from earlier this year, right? And this is kind of how the Nick Aliotti defenses were back in the day for, for the most part. It was just let them move it down the field, take away the big play, and then really be good in, in the red zone. And I think if, I, I think this can play out a lot like the UCLA game if the Ducks just hold the Huskies to field goals. Because I expect Washington to be able to move the ball, but I expected UCLA to be able to move the ball too. And I thought the Bruins would score more points than they did earlier in that game, but they didn't because the Ducks held them to field goal tries. And even think of that BYU game. Held them to a field goal try on that second possession after the touchdown, and then they miss the field goal. Oregon goes down and scores, and it's a big shift in the game. And then you've got a lot of momentum. And I think that this game can look very much like that. UCLA is a better team than Washington. It's why Oregon is a bigger favorite here at home. It's sitting at 13 and a half. It opened at 10 and a half. But those things, I think, are critical defensively. You got to get pressure. You got to avoid a coverage bust. And you got to hold them to field goals. If you do those three things reasonably well, I feel great about Oregon in this game. I feel good about them if you only do two of them well. I feel less good if you only do one of them well. And if you don't do any of those things, if you have a coverage bust for an easy touchdown, if you're you know, bad on third down uh, again because you can't get pressure and then you're not holding Washington to field goals, then the Huskies hang around in this game. But if you can get at least, if you check at least two of those boxes, I feel good about where the Ducks are at. And, and UCLA's offense is really explosive and really, really good. It's more ground-oriented, for sure, which is how Washington presents a different challenge than than the Bruins did when they came into Autzen Stadium. But I feel good about where Oregon's going. I think the defense has been making baby steps. It's not where I want the defense to be under Dan Lanning and Tasha Lupoy in you know one or two years. But is it better than where it was earlier in the season? Yeah, I think so. Because it's easy to look at the Washington State game and say, well, you know, Cam Ward threw for all those yards, did this and that. I think they're better today defensively than they were in that week. Probably not a very hot take. I, I, don't, I don't think I'm announcing anything that's going to make Duck fans go, whoa, you think Oregon's better on one side of the ball today than a couple of months ago? Pfft, I don't know, Spencer. Hot take. Yeah, prob- probably not. But is the defense at a place where I feel like it's reaching its full potential? Not at all. I, and I, I don't expect them to suddenly have some dominant outing where Washington only scores you know, 10 or 13 points. That would be pretty incredible. But I don't expect that at all because it hasn't been what they've showed this year. And though progress has been there, I, I, can't, I can't come on here and you know, honestly say I expect them to be able to hold the Huskies under 20 points. I mean, if you hold them under 20 points, of course you're going to win. I think if you hold them under 25 you're probably going to win. Or if you hold them over under 30, you're probably going to win because I have that much faith in in the Oregon offense. So those are the things to watch for defensively. 
I think Oregon can hold them to field goals. And if I had to pick three, I, I'd say avoiding a coverage bust and you know making it look like the the UCLA game playing Ben but don't break are kind of the most likely things there because the pressure's just been so inconsistent. And you know maybe that Oregon State front four just don't doesn't have any bodies, and I don't think they have a lot. But there was no pressure at all on Penix last week, and and we've seen Oregon struggle to get pressure. They didn't sack Colorado last week. Washington's got a better offensive line than Colorado. Washington's got a better everything than, than Colorado. Better quarterback, better receivers, better play caller, better offensive line. So I think the Huskies will be able to, to score some points in this one. But I do think at Autzen Stadium, where the Ducks defense has been notably better this year than it has on the road, and Washington as a whole has been a much better home team than a road team, I think the Ducks will be able to hold them to a couple early field goals widen out the margin a, a bit. And I, I expect Oregon to win this game. I'd be really disappointed if they don't, not just because it's the Huskies, but because this is a game that Oregon should win. With how they're playing right now, if you want to get into the playoff, which is right there in front of them, it is right there. We are nine games in, about to be 10, and the opportunity to get to college football playoff for the second year in a row is right there in front of them. And if they play up to their potential, I think they'll win this game. I think the offense will be balanced. I think they'll move the ball, and the defense will make just enough stops for this to not be too much of a nail-biter. I think Oregon gets it done 45-27. to 27. Hope I'm right, and frankly, I hope it's even more than that. I appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Enjoy the games. I'll be with you, with you right here, reacting to it as always, and go Ducks.